Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, the Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, it's Robin Crane here, and I am here with Heather Welpley. Now, let me tell you about Heather. She is a speaker. She's an author. She's a consultant. She empowers women to let go of expectations and create their own rules for life. She's led keynotes and webinars for thousands of people and specifically on imposter syndrome, creating your own rules for success and using your authentic voice to create change. And specifically in 2020, she published her first book, An Overachiever's Guide to Breaking the Rules, How to Let Go of Perfect and Live Your Truth. So uh, there's more amazing stuff. She's worked Fortune 250 companies. I mean, that sounds way better than Fortune 500 companies. So we're already like, just she's killing it. She's killing it. Um, speaker, trainer, coach. I mean, she's amazing. She's amazing. Um, and I actually was referred to Heather because someone I was talking to about speaking at one of the companies was like, oh, she's so amazing. And so I got to, I got to get this woman on on my podcast. And I already know we vibe well from the five minutes that we're chatting. So tell us just a little about your background. Why imposter syndrome? Why you know? Uh, why are you into that? Like how did you get there because I'm sure you've had to deal with a lot of you're, you're probably a total imposter is what I'm saying, Heather. And I just want to know, like, is it true or are you real? Now, go ahead. Uh, some of each, I think, is the answer <laughs> to that question. No, thanks so much for having me, Robin. I'm excited to be here today. And I think I need to ask like everyone to start reading my bio with that much gusto. <laughs> it's a really fun way to start things out. They but yeah, love um, me or hate me, Heather, yeah. and then some will hate me. I think we're going to be good. I think we're going to be good. So <laughs> yeah, imposter syndrome. I mean, so I am kind of the consummate overachiever historically, like valedictorian in my high school class, put a ton of pressure on myself to succeed in high school and college. I was never really like a check the box overachiever. So I taught environmental education after college and led outdoor trips with high school students and, and young adults. But when I got into the corporate arena, that old kind of traditional overachiever, like overdoer, you have to make everything perfect, have to do everything perfect, really came back really strong because of the expectations I was putting on myself. And as well, to be fair, like the expectations I was getting from others. And I just overdid everything. Like I even overdid fun. I did overdid everything in my life. And then when I started my business, it ratcheted up a whole new level. 
And that's really for the first time when also imposter syndrome started to come into play. So I was always kind of that high level perfectionist, putting that, you know, feeling like I had to be successful the first time I tried everything. But when I started my business, also that imposter syndrome came in with feeling like, do I really know enough to do this? Am I enough of an expert, especially to be a speaker and get out there and like pose myself as someone who knows a whole lot about any kind of topic. I worried that people would, you know, laugh at my prices or feel like they'd pay me and then it wasn't worth it at the end or that, yeah, I just didn't have enough experience to be doing what I was doing. And not only was I experiencing this, but because I'd worked in women's leadership development and I'd led programs with women financial advisors and other women in the financial services industry, I knew about imposter syndrome and I knew how it was showing up for other people as well. And not only in business, but in corporate careers of feeling like you don't know enough, you don't belong, you don't have enough experience. You just need a little bit more time or a little bit more experience. And then you'll be ready to take on that next role or approach that bigger client or to say no. And so I really felt like I was experiencing this in a huge amount. And I was seeing so many women around me get held back by imposter syndrome and they didn't even know what it was. Like this was a couple of years ago before imposter syndrome was in the you know popular lexicon. And it felt feels like now, like everyone's talking about it. And even a couple of years ago, that wasn't the case. And I thought something has to be done about this because I was seeing so many amazing women hold themselves back from the career, the life, the business that they wanted to have and would be really amazing at it because they didn't think they knew enough. They didn't think they had enough experience. And it just wasn't true. And so I got on a mission (laughs) um, to spread the word about imposter syndrome. And that's really how I got started speaking in the Serena, which then led to the book and led to perfectionism and creating your own rules for success, which we can talk about if you want to as well. But it really all started with imposter syndrome and seeing so many people being held back by it, experiencing it myself as well, and wanting that to not be the case for any of us. So yeah, that's how I jumped into that. So uh, like, I want to talk about imposter syndrome, but I'm very curious about how you overdid fun. Like, I got to know, how did you overdo fun? (laughs) I said yes to everything. And so (laughs) basically I had a lot of FOMO, especially earlier in my life. I don't so much anymore, but I overdid. Yeah. So I overdid work. I, I volunteered for everything at work. Like I also really love a lot of things. Like I'm not usually someone who said yes out of guilt or obligation. It was because I really wanted to do everything. So I wanted to do all the fun, all the parties, all of the exercise, all of the everything. I overdid everything, which basically just led to exhaustion. So like when I was 30, I was working in my biggest project at work ever still to date. I mean, many years later, it's still the biggest project I ever worked on. And I tried to set boundaries it didn't work. I didn't, you know, for a combination of reasons. And in the middle of this project, like when I was 30 years old, I got shingles and it was partly because I was overdoing work, but I wasn't compromising anything else in my life either. And so, yeah, I had no balance really. It's probably the best way to describe it. And I just said yes to everything until my body was like, you have to stop. It is not an option anymore. Wow. That's crazy. So so how did that, like, do you think that ties into imposter syndrome, like of, of you doing everything? I mean, cause I have that FOMO thing too, like fear of missing out. Like I definitely, like, I want to be a part of a lot of things. Like I was just writing down my goals for the year, you know, at this time of year, it's like, we're thinking about what we want. And one of those things I'm writing down is like, I want more friends <laughs> like, <laughs> you on the podcast, want to hang out with you. Um, no, but it's like, I, I get, you know, I'm in work, I'm, I'm doing this sort of thing. Like I'm, I love what I do. I'm very similar in that way. Like I love doing a lot of stuff and I kind of miss the social, like I'm in mastermind. So I get to hang out with people, but it's like, 
I don't have a ton of, so I also have young kids. So it's like, whatever excuse, insert excuses why I don't have friends, but, but I, I want, I like to be part of all those things, but I don't know if that has to do with them because I'm also have the imposter syndrome, but is that related at all? Cause I have the overachiever thing too. Like, how is it all related? Yeah. I don't know if FOMO is related or not, unless it is the piece where like you feel like you have to say yes in order to prove yourself. Hmm. And so probably more related on the work side of like, well, I better say yes to this because I got to prove myself. I got to prove my worth. I got to prove that I do know what I'm doing or that they should keep me here or that that client should hire me or should I should, you know, they should only pay me X amount, but I'm going to over deliver and overdo everything to, to prove that I, that it was worth their hire. That's more of the yeah, imposter yeah, yeah. syndrome is, is, feeling that piece of it. So I think it depends on kind of what the root cause of, of the FOMO is, but with the overachieving, there is a huge overlap between people who experience imposter syndrome and people who have perfectionist tendencies yeah, as let's well. Let's talk about that. Tell me yeah. about that. So huge overlap there. I mean, the, one of the original books written by Valerie Young on imposter syndrome was called the secret thoughts of successful women, which is now we know there's been a lot more research since that time that Anyone can experience imposter syndrome. Plenty of white men experience imposter syndrome as well. And there's some differing research out there about gender and race and how that plays into it. Um, but we know that there is this overlap between people who have high expectations on themselves. And so that overachieving, overdoing, perfectionist, like I have to get it right the first time. I'm not allowed to make a mistake. I'm not allowed to fail. And that feeling of imposter syndrome of like, I don't know enough. Kind of I when you feel like there's this gap between where your skills, your experiences really are and where you feel like they are. So you feel like you're constantly making up for this gap that doesn't actually exist. And I want to be really clear. Yeah. It's not people's fault that they experience imposter syndrome. It is because of culture around us. So if you are in a really high, like if you came from organizations where it was a really high perfectionist, like toxic perfectionism culture, where you were called out for making mistakes or 10 different people had to review a PowerPoint before it went on to the next person, anything like that can really exacerbate both perfectionism and imposter syndrome. And then there's a whole lot of other things that go into it, like discrimination around, you know, not seeing other people who look like you or being questioned more. Like we know that women and people of color are literally listened to less and questioned more by collectively all of us. And so if you're questioned more by other people, it kind of makes sense that you might start to question yourself more over time, right? And that's kind of what imposter syndrome is, is questioning yourself when it's not actually deserve to be questioning yourself because you do know enough. Is so. that different than like when you actually are a fraud? <laughs> it sounds like a weird question, yes. but like, like, cause I, I think I have both, but like right now, because I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm a fraud anymore. Like, cause I make money. I don't, you know, lie about that. stuff. and not that I ever lied about it, but when I was a financial advisor, I was broke, you know, and here I am a financial advisor trying to tell people how to build wealth. And I wasn't building wealth. And I was at $1.47,812 in debt. And so I felt super incongruent. And I feel like, I don't know, like, I don't ever call that imposter syndrome as mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. I think maybe, I don't know, maybe if it wasn't a thing back then, I, I started in late 2006. I don't know if it was, was coined back then, but, um, but I felt like I was a fraud because I kind of was like, I wasn't a fraud because I, I had the intention to serve and I had the intention to help people. And it wasn't like I was telling them I was make I had millions or making, I never lied. I don't lie, but, uh, and that's not a lie, but I did, <laughs> but I did feel like I, like, I am just like by fact, like I am a fraud, but now, like if I heard someone in my community say that I would say, no, you're not, because no matter what, doesn't matter how much is in your bank account. Doesn't matter how much wealth you have. Doesn't matter, you know, how much money you make. 
The truth is, you know more than them. If you know just a little bit more than them, you are an expert compared to them. And regardless, if you can help them get what they want, even if you're not there yet, they're better with you than without you. So you're not a fraud. It's just that, like, I think there's there like that line, you know, is, is hard because there are a lot of people in the industry are just starting and it's hard for them to think like, I actually can do this and work with high net worth people when I'm not high net worth. So how do you deal with that? Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing. And two different things jump out to me as you were saying that of like one, it's okay to know what you don't know. Like we don't know everything. We're constantly learning along the way. Um, some people do experience imposter syndrome more when they start out and when they're, you know, starting their business and figuring things out. Some people actually experience it more later on when they are at a higher level or they're leading a team for the first time, more eyes are on them. They have greater responsibility for other people, all of those types of things. So it, that does depend. Um, but it's okay if you don't know everything because none of us ever do. And we are all consistently learning. So if that's your feeling, totally fine. Like we are all learning. And in fact, imposter syndrome can actually be a positive sign of growth and development. And that's why I like to use like the term managing imposter syndrome instead of overcoming imposter syndrome. Because the likely thing is, is that if you continue to grow your business to take on new clients, to take on higher net worth clients, to build a team, any of those situations are likely to bring on some feelings of imposter syndrome for you. So you can do a little mindset flip there and say like, okay, as long as this isn't holding me back too much, it's it's okay that I'm experiencing a little bit because this is a sign that I'm stepping outside my comfort zone. It's a sign that I am growing and that I am developing. It also does sound like you're probably experiencing some some imposter, like real imposter syndrome there as well, as far as feeling, you know, where, wherever there's a power differential between people is a likely time when imposter syndrome is going to show up. So like if you're feeling like, my gosh, this person makes so much more money than I do. They have so much more, so many more assets that, and that I have, like, who am I, who am I to think that I can go in and teach them or help them with anything? Or if you are, you know, someone who's embedded within a larger organization going and presenting to a group of senior leaders, like that can really bring on a lot of feelings of imposter syndrome. Do I belong here? Who am I to think I can help? Who am I to think that I can do anything for these people or with these leaders? Because I don't know enough. I don't have enough experience. So both those are there. And I think there's, you know, you asked the question of like, what, so what can you do about it? Um, which is a really good question. I think there's a couple of really simple things that you can do. Like the first one is just now that you are listening to this, now that you know a little bit more about imposter syndrome, just start to name it. Like say right now I am experiencing imposter syndrome and simply just naming it will decrease some of the power of it. And then treat yourself with compassion. Like talk to yourself like you would a friend. Like you said, you know, some of the people that are in your programs when they come to you and you're like, no, you're not a fraud. When you have expertise, you know more than they do. You can help and teach them say those exact same words to yourself. Like if you thought of a friend or a colleague or you know someone that would come to you and say these words, flip it around on yourself and that can be really helpful. The other thing is that I like to have people really get clear on what is more important than the doubt and the imposter syndrome that they are feeling. So get like, write it down. What is more important than this? So for me, yes, I focus on imposter syndrome. I focus on perfectionism and creating your own rules for success. But the underlying mission of my business is to have more women sharing their, their authentic voices with the world, because I think that's how change is going to happen. When we let go of these rules of being like, you can't disappoint anyone. You have to say yes to everything. You're not allowed to rock the boat, that no one likes an angry girl. You know, all of these rules that we tend to feel are 
or feeling like you have to be perfect at everything, when we're able to overcome those or let go of them a bit and speak up and share our authentic voices, like that's how change is going to happen. Well, that's bigger than any imposter syndrome that I could feel getting up on a stage or being on this podcast or anything talking about imposter syndrome or talking about creating your own rules for success. Like that mission is bigger. So it doesn't make the imposter syndrome go away. It just makes it feel like there is a bigger purpose. And I have a guiding force pulling me through the imposter syndrome instead of having to like fight and shove my way against the imposter syndrome. It's like I'm being pulled forward by something bigger. And I think particularly for business owners, that can be really helpful because most business owners have a clear purpose in their business. They got into this for a reason or they're staying in it for a reason. So getting clear on that can be a really helpful guiding force for moving through imposter syndrome. I feel like to some degree, it could be also very humbling. Like you said, I think that's very common. The language is who am I? Who am I? Like exactly that is what would come in my head because I'm like, do I have imposter syndrome right now? And it's funny because you say label it where I would think like, don't label it, like to make it it a thing. But it kind of reminds me of my money types because it's like when you say you are a spendthrift Sally or a cheap chip, like you're, it's kind of like you can laugh at it. Like it's, it's not you, it's just like something else. Right. So it's like, it's a thing. It's like, I know it's not that I have imposter syndrome. Oh, imposter syndrome is coming up and, and plaguing me, but it's like, it's not me. It's just this thing. Right. So I like that. Um, But I think it's like the, who am I, who am I like can also be humbling in a sense of like, yeah who am I? Like, I'm nobody, like I'm nobody. And I, I, I'm no better than anybody. And, and I actually think that's great because we don't need egoists either. Like your authentic voice is not about you and your success. Your authentic voice is about you changing the world. Like you said, like, that's how we change the world. So I remember one of the first times I I did a talk, I used to do these talks on, uh, it was something called money parenting, which is how to raise financially responsible kids by leading by example. And I did my first money parenting talk and after, and I had like 12 people, you know, in the audience, it wasn't big or anything, but I left and I was, I mean, I was on cloud nine. I was so excited. I was feeling amazing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know how those words came out of my mouth because I just felt like I was guided. It was kind of the opposite of imposter syndrome. Cause I was just like, I felt like I was guided, but I felt like it wasn't necessarily me. It was like something or someone, or somehow it was working through me. And I think about that when, like, if you're having imposter syndrome, it's like, who am I to like be on stage or who am I to be leading this podcast or who am I like, I'm nobody, but I'm here and I'm authentic and I want to help. And it's not me. It's just, it's happening through me. It's guided through me and whether, you know, God or universe or whatever, it doesn't matter, but it's like, there's some other force here that's happening. And as long as it's serving others, then it's almost irrelevant how you feel about it. Right. I mean, I, I have this little mantra before I do talks and things and I say, you know, please, God, please, God, please, please work through me again. If you don't believe in God, don't freak out. Okay. It's okay. I'm Jewish. I don't know if that matters, but like some people want to know. Okay. So, um, please work through me to provide as much value as humanly possible to get these women. Cause I'm always working with these women, get these women out of their own way so they can have everything they want. And I'm like, just get me out of my own way or get them out of, go get them and myself out of their, uh, out of our own way. So we can have everything we want. Like, that's what I want. And it's like, when I'm scared, And I'm thinking about who am I or what the heck do I know? Or I don't feel prepared or I don't feel ready or I don't feel like I know enough. And I'm about to, you know, give a talk or I'm about to coach someone. And I'm like, I start to doubt myself. If I just do that mantra, please work through me to provide as much value as humanly possible. Get these women out of their own way so they can have everything I want. I forget about my stuff, my shit about imposter syndrome or not being good enough. And I'm just focused on serving and delivering and just 
making sure like, and that's, that's my authentic voice. Like, I love that you said authentic voice. Cause like, I'm so into that as well. Like, I just feel like, and that's what the industry, you know, talking to financial advisors and women in insurance, it's like, that's what the industry needs is you to have a voice because the, the, it's not just clouded by white men. It's also clouded by the decades of doing things the same way, even compliance, screw compliance. Like, Oh, compliance will let me do that. Yeah. Yes. Go push the envelope. Like you have to have a voice and start saying what you believe you should get, even if it is social media. Okay. I went off on a tangent there, Heather, but please. Go ahead. I love it. No, I love it. And I love that your mantras that you said to yourself, because I actually do something somewhat similar. If I'm, if I get nervous before a webinar, before, you know, virtual or in-person speaking engagement, I take a breath and I just tell myself like, I am here to love and to connect and to share myself in a way that is helpful to other people and to be just all of who I am to be vulnerable and to put myself out there. And like, that's what people connect with. And that doesn't matter whether you are a speaker, whether you're meeting one-on-one with a client, like people connect to realness that builds trust, it builds authenticity. And that's what they want. Like people don't want perfect people. You know, if we feel like we have this expectation and to be fair, like that message is around us all the time, like to do more, to constantly do more, to be always building, 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 to never say no and to always be bigger, better, and do more. And yes, I'm all about like reaching goals and creating greater impact. And yet that's not connected to your worth as a human being. Like your worth is innate as a human being. You have nothing to prove when it comes to that. And so, and yes, when we are able to connect to that authenticity, to that mission, to that purpose, that is when we more easily start to stand up and say, this isn't working for me, or I want to run my business in a different way, or I want to push the envelope and I want to see change. Like I want to see change for me and I want to see change collectively. And imposter syndrome can hugely get in the way of that. But I love everything that you said around the motivation to get through that so that we can create change on a personal level and on a collective level. So is, is when you got shingles, was that when the change happened for you that you did? No. <laughs> You'd think it would be. Um, I had a lot of wake up calls that didn't actually wake yeah. me up. Um, so the wake up call for me was actually later. So when I started my business, I started my business about four years oh, so ago. Wait, so wait, let me interrupt you real quick. Yeah. So you got shingles. You like rested for a quick second and then you're like, go. I didn't rest at all. I didn't take a single day off. I emailed everyone that I worked with closely and said, I will likely be in a little bit late because I got diagnosed with shingles and rest is the most important thing in recovering from shingles. But I won't be doing it. Right. That is exactly correct. Wow. I did not rest. I mean, I... This yeah, is when you were in your, your corporate game. I was in my corporate career. So, the, and this was uh, almost 12 years ago. It was a long time ago. So I was in my corporate career what for was another the corporate career that you couldn't like rest. Uh, well, at that time I was managing a huge leadership um, event. So it was like an event with hundreds of people at my company and the event was going to happen whether I had shingles or not. <laughs> um, and so, and, and I didn't set any boundaries to be fair. Like I set no, I told people that I had this. Um, it was a more minor case oh, on the you. scheme yeah. of shingles, but I, yeah, I didn't set any boundaries and I was not good at that. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I knew how to, I didn't feel like I could. Um, there was a lot of reasons for it that were some of which were internal to me and some of which were like external expectations put on me. But, but I do think you know, there's structural reasons for everything of like how we show up and we have individual responsibility. Like it's a both. And I think, and in those things. And so, no, that was not my wake up call. My wake up call came eight years later. 
Uh, so it was many years later. It was after I'd started my business. And again, as starting my business, that pressure that I put on myself went up to even a higher level of feeling like I have to be successful right away. And everything has to work right away. Everything I do has to be successful, which as an entrepreneur is just, it's not possible. Like It is not possible that everything you do is going to be successful. And yet I was putting all this pressure on myself and a couple of things I was doing weren't working. And I was completely exhausted. Like I wasn't actually sick, but I was breaking down. I was crying a lot. I was exhausted. And I finally stopped and asked myself, like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting all this pressure on myself? Why am I working so much? And the answer came to me in a second, which was, I was doing it to prove myself. And for me, this second part isn't true for everyone, but for me, a lot of it was related to the fact that I felt behind from since I was like 12 years old in other parts of my life. So like I was perpetually single. I wasn't a mother, which I both wanted to be. And we have a lot of cultural expectations around women being mothers. Um, I had struggles with my body throughout my life and weight. And so I felt like behind in those areas of my life, but school and work and achieving and leadership was a place I could always be successful as long as I just worked hard enough. And so I was essentially proving my worth through work and school because I didn't feel worthy in those other parts of my life. And so I had to do a lot of really deep work there and on a personal level. But then I saw this showing up with all the women I was working with coaching and, and speaking, and it, they didn't all have the same story as me, but a lot of them who were perpetual overdoers, overachievers, when I stopped and asked themselves that question, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? People would have an answer that related to proving like I'm achieving so people will like me, or I feel like I have to prove myself in a totally different capacity. I'm scared of what will happen if I slow down. And so everyone has a different story, but a lot of people do have that story. And that was my wake up call when I finally like did that deep dive. And that's what my book is about. An Overachiever's Guide to Breaking the Rules, How to Let Go of Perfect and Live Your Truth was about that breaking point and that realization. And then how did I reconnect and really change that story? So that I believe that I am worthy for who I am, not what I do. And so I can achieve and I can do great things and I can create an impact, but those things aren't tied to my worth. And so I don't feel like I'm in this perpetual state of like a hamster wheel that has to just keep going, going and going and a constant state of having to prove myself. I've really, you know, like 95% of the time still comes up every once in a while for sure. But 95% of the time, those feelings and those beliefs are gone and I've created a new story for myself and one that's really freeing and healthier and actually creates greater impact because of that authentic voice. And because I have more energy because I'm not burned out. Um, and I'm doing the things that I love, which we all know creates greater impact as well. Wow. That's awesome. How did you do that? Did you hire coaches or get a lobotomy or something? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think a couple of things that, that really helped me, I mean, I have worked with a lot of different coaches and, and kind of later on in this journey, I worked with a therapist on, on some pieces that were really helpful, but when it, when it really started, I I was doing, I mean, I'm a coach myself, right? I'm a trained coach. And that doesn't mean that coaches don't need coaches or therapists because we definitely do. Um, but I had a lot of the piece around kind of like, how do you change your story? Like, how do you change those beliefs that are embedded in you? So I had a lot of beliefs around, like, I have to say yes to everything. I can't disappoint anyone. I have to be successful the first time around. And I literally like wrote down like, okay, that's what I believe now. But like rationally, I don't actually think that's true. So what are the things that I want to believe? And then I created a meditation for myself. And I listened to that a couple of times a day. And I really started to catch myself in my own 
thought patterns and whether that was related to imposter syndrome and feeling like, you know, I had to approve myself or I had to know more than I had to be an, I didn't feel like enough of an expert. And then I would also do two other things. So I would experiment with doing less and and in low risk situations and see what would happen. And 99% of the time, the answer was nothing would happen. So I would like prepare for a meeting, you know, where I typically prepare for an hour, I'd set a timer and only prepare for 30 minutes. And I'd be like, oh, that meeting went just as well. I don't have to prepare for an hour for these meetings. 30 minutes is enough. And maybe next time it's only 20. So I really experimented and then looked for the actual results. And then that combination of the results from doing less, as well as the results from my actual work. So, you know, I think, and this can be true with anyone, like anytime that feeling of imposter syndrome is coming on of, you know, I don't know enough, I'm not enough of an expert. Who am I to do this? Sometimes when you're starting out, like you're brand new, you don't have that many results, but pretty quickly you get some results. And those results could be conversations where someone said, God, you really helped me. So I would keep feedback. I would keep, you know, keep the things that people would email me after a speaking engagement. And I would go back to those and be like, you know, my brain, my inner critic is telling me that I don't know enough or that I'm not enough of an expert, but like, look at what's actually happening. Look at what's actually happening. The actual results that I've gotten from previous speaking engagements. And there's no reason to think that the speaking engagement isn't going to get the same results. So kind of a combination of, of the, you know, noticing the thought patterns, changing behaviors, and then really looking for the evidence that those new behaviors are great, are, are just fine, are going to produce the same or better results, and they feel better. So I feel like we, we talk a lot about mindset and mindset's super important, but mindset and action go hand in hand. And you don't have to start with mindset. You can actually start with action. As long as you're conscious about it, if you start with action, your action will build a new mindset for you. And then they become this like beautiful upward spiral that's reinforcing each other along the way. And you can do that with any kind of stories or new beliefs that you want to create in in your life. And so that's really what helped me. And it, it does not happen overnight. I want to be very clear. Like this was a, I would say the initial like phase was several months and it's still an ongoing journey of catching myself of being like, wait, why did I say yes to that? Or what's going on there? Why am I overworking? Like, why am I working at 8 PM at night when I like, what's really going on here? Um, so I still catch myself at times and, and bring myself back to who I am and, and my own truth. That's amazing. I, I love all that because it's, it's actually very practical. You know, it's like, okay, we start, it's like recognize it's a problem, uh, become aware, you know? So it's the same thing as, as a lot of problems, but it's, we don't always see it as, uh, as something that we can actually take apart, like almost separate from us. It's like, Oh no, this is just how I am. Like, this is what happens. And this is what I do. Well, you actually have the power to change that. And it's, it's like recognizing, Oh, this is a pattern. Instead of thinking this is who I am. This is just a pattern that shows up and starting to notice. I love the experimentation. And actually we have a very, very similar type of belief around that, um, about the action. I teach something called the belief loan phenomenon. It's like a little infinity sign. It's like your beliefs influence your behaviors, which influence your success, which again, influences your beliefs. And what I talk about is how it's, it's actually hard. I, I think, I mean, I went to Tony Robbins and I jumped up and down. I did all that stuff. Um, but to actually change my belief, like, even though he says you can do it in a heartbeat, just like that, like it was really hard for me. And I had this my whole life, just similar to you. Like I, I felt like I'm to prove myself that I was smart because I, I, I felt stupid. I thought it was a fact, like I'm, I'm dumb. Um, and I have this whole story to tell about 
I didn't know what a tripod was. I'll give the short version, but like, <laughs> um, I didn't know what a tripod was. I was like 10 years old. And so I like, I made it like set in stone in my mind. I'm not smart. And all these references, like just, just like would, would stack up that, Oh no. Yeah. You're definitely not smart. And, and trivial pursuit of you play with me. Like, I'm really screwed. Like I won't even get a pie. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I didn't think I was smart. And so that was a fact. So I was getting straight A's and, you know, I wasn't valedictorian. I'm not that crazy, but, um, but I, but I did overachieve, overachieve my whole life because I didn't want people to know the truth. Right. And then what I realized is that, I mean, obviously that caused a lot of stress and anxiety. And I went to Tony Robbins, which was very helpful, but I couldn't just change you know, change my belief or change my state when I didn't feel like it. And, and, um, I, I wish I could, but what happened was, is I could borrow the belief. So when I had a coach or when I had someone helping me, I borrowed the belief that, yes, I can do this. Yes. There's no re- like, maybe I'm, whether I'm smart or stupid, it's kind of irrelevant. Like the belief is like, borrow the belief that you can help people and then just follow the system. That's the action that you're talking about change, you know, do different action. And those actions or those behaviors shift um, the result. And then you help someone. And someone says, wow, you're amazing. And you're like, wow, I can change lives. Stupid or not. Like, I guess maybe I'm still stupid. Like I still, I don't even have to worry about that belief because it's irrelevant now. And then that, that behavior affects the, the result. And that result is typically what, what really gets me excited is helping people. And then I have the belief that, Hey, if I do this, I can help people. And maybe I'm not that stupid, you know? And, and then it starts, you start to adopt a new belief. Like I'm actually I'm good at this, regardless of whether I, I feel like I'm not the smartest person on the planet. And now I don't think I'm stupid or I'm 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 smart. I actually think I'm really smart in a lot of things, very intuitive, but I'm not good at certain things like intellectually and like I'm really bad at test taking. Like I'm okay with that because it does not affect my life and does not affect me making impact. But what I noticed was that I can just borrow that, the belief, belief in myself, belief it's possible, belief in the system. Then I follow that action step or that system. I get a result and then it starts to dissipate because just trying to like, you know, therapy myself out of it, like just, it didn't, it didn't work for me. Like, or, or, you know, let's say personal growth myself out of it. And again, I love all that stuff. I love all that stuff, but still it's like, there's a point where just action will shift the entire belief eventually. Yeah. So I just do that. Fast. I love that. I love that idea of borrowing the belief, like borrowing the belief and, and kind of making it your own and seeing, seeing how it fits, seeing how it feels and acting on that belief, whether you really fully believe it or not. Like yeah. if you're like, this is what I want to believe, or this is the person that I want. Cause I use this for like uncomfortable situations too. Like I want to be a woman who challenges the status quo. Okay. If that's true, then I have to stand up and challenge status quo. Like I have to take the action based on that belief. And every single time you do that, you're creating a new story for yourself of like, oh, I am the woman who challenges the status quo, or I am the person who approaches the big client that I really want to work with. I am the person who puts myself out there. Like you're creating a new story for yourself with every single, every single action that you take. And I also want to point out too, that like Getting through imposter syndrome is not about believing you're good at everything because we are not. We all have strengths and gifts and we all have things that we're not as good at. And if we over, like if there's kind of the spectrum of imposter syndrome of, you know, the one side of like believing you aren't good enough or you don't know enough. And then there's, you know, we've all met those people who overestimate <laughs> uh, their strengths and gifts and it's called arrogance. And that is not healthy either. Now, if a lot of people are worried about being arrogant, and I always say like, if you're worried about arrogance, you don't actually have to worry about it because people who are arrogant are not thinking about it at all. Right. Um, but there is that spectrum. And 
that's not, you know, the other end of the spectrum is not the goal. Like an accurate kind of self-assessment is, is more of where we want to see, where we can see our gifts and our, our passions and where we're creating an impact without having to think that we have to be good at everything. So, but yeah, I love that the action and the mindset connected together there. So much we can talk about. I feel like I know. so much more I want to say, but I feel like we should probably let them go because <laughs> we can talk forever. Um, tell them how to get your book. It sounds amazing. Yes. And, thank you. Uh, anything else you want to give them bef- and how to find you and all that. And then we'll, we'll let, we'll leave them wanting more and maybe have you back on the podcast. Cause I feel like we can go way in depth in this. I would but, love um, that. Yeah, tell yeah. them how to find your book and how to find you. So there's two main ways you can find my book. The only place to get hardcover signed copies is my website, which is heatherwelpley.com. And yes, my last name is weird, but the good news is I think I'm the only one of me out there. So like if you Google Heather Welpley, my website will likely be the first thing that shows up. So you can get two L's, signed hardcover. L before and L after. Yes, well, two L's, LPL in the middle and a WH at the beginning, but you can see it in the podcast title. So heatherwelpley.com for that. Otherwise you can get the paperback, ebook, audiobook on Amazon, Audible, and a bunch of other platforms where ebooks and audio books are available. LinkedIn is my number one social media platform. I love LinkedIn. I'm out there most frequently. Um, Instagram is kind of secondary. If you also want to see some pictures of me hiking in the mountains, you can go to Instagram. Um, but LinkedIn is definitely, I live in Colorado. So that's why there's a lot of hiking pics out there. Um, and, but LinkedIn is definitely my number one platform. And then if you want any information on hiring me as a speaker, um, heatherwelpley.com is the best ways to um, see that you can see my speaker reel. And there's a button there to contact me to talk more about and event at your organization. I speak a lot at like women's women's networks inside organizations, women's leadership development events, conferences across the country, virtual and in person. So yeah, my website's a great place to find all of that information. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That was amazing. Amazing. And uh, yeah, those of you still, still holding on here, thank you for staying and listening and uh, we'll bring more from someone else next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Are you getting all the quality prospects on your calendar that you'd like? If not, join us in the Appointment Generator Challenge. Go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for free. We guarantee you'll get five quality appointments in five days if you follow this system. And you can do it from online. You don't even have to pick up the phone. Whether you're just starting, whether you've been in the industry three to five years, or even 30 years, this challenge will be perfect for you. Check it out, femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for absolutely free. Can't wait to see you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.